welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, guys, it's great to be with you today. As has been said, my name is John. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the worship pastor here. I'm a site pastor for our evening service. Um, so it's nice to be with you here this morning. And this, uh, this summer, we are looking at a few different topics from the book of Proverbs. These topics are so crucial in our lives, and we can gain so much wisdom um, from what Proverbs has to say. And today, we're going to be looking at what we're, some of us will be doing tomorrow morning, work. Now, I know, I know. And unfortunately, Proverbs, in a lot of ways, doesn't go easy when it comes to work. And, and what it says is the opposite of work, which is laziness. For example, these scriptures, Proverbs 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty. Oh, dear. But diligent hands bring wealth. And Proverbs 18, 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Harsh words, maybe. And you know, they, these statements are true. But they are really don't pull any, any punches, do they? And this can be difficult reading for those of us who feel exhausted or who are struggling or uh, are being told that you've got more to do or do better. It's a really difficult thing to hear. But did you know, if you are employed for 35 hours a week, which is kind of the average for, for an adult, you will spend 1,795 hours at work per year. That is a lot, isn't it? Which works out at an average of 84,365 hours in your life. That is 3,500 days. That's long, isn't it? And that's just the work that we might do as an employee. That's not to mention the countless hours of housework and chores and DIY and helping others and other things that we do to, to stay healthy and to continue to live. So it's essential that we get all the wisdom that we possibly can from Proverbs and listen for the invitation that Jesus is giving us in the midst of it. Now, I know that some in the room today, some of us will be employed nine to five. Um, some of us are shift workers. Some of us are full-time parents. Some of us are unable to, unable to work for many reasons. Some of us hate our jobs. Some of us love our jobs. Some of us are looking for jobs. Some of us are retired. There's a whole spectrum of where we're coming from this morning. And I want to encourage you that whatever your employment status, whatever your situation might be, there, this wisdom around work still applies to you as much as it does to anyone else. We work in so many areas of our lives. So let's start with the question. How are you feeling about work today? Are you exhausted? Are you enjoying your job? Are you frustrated that you can't find a job? Are you finding yourself wanting to procrastinate? However you feel, I'd love to encourage you just to come with an open mind and listen to what Jesus is saying to you today. And if you'd like to pray with someone about your work situation afterwards, Maybe you're retired and you're looking for the next thing or you're not sure what to apply for as a student. Wherever you might be, we would love to pray with you at the end if you'd like to do that. So we're going to be considering three points today, okay? Why work hard, just work hard, and Jesus worked hard. So those are the, these things will probably become clear as we go through. Um, so why don't we pray and then we can journey together. So Lord Jesus, we want to hear your invitation today. We know that you care about our work and what we spend our time doing outside of this place as much as inside of it. 
And so we pray that we would have open hearts to hear your invitation. Would you come and speak to us now? Amen. So why should we work hard? Great question. (laughs) Firstly, because as Proverbs says, there is benefit to working hard. Let's read Proverbs 31. So Proverbs is right in the middle of your Bible, if that helps you find it. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, you can um, chat to the welcome team. They'll help you download one on your smartphone or give you a paper copy. So this passage actually talks about the wife of noble character, but it is definitely relevant regardless of your gender or marital status. It gives us an insight into what godly work and fruitfulness looks like. So Proverbs 31, starting from verse 13, you can read along on the screens with me if you want. So it says, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Then skipping to verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And then lastly, verse 31, this is the outcome of, of the whole chapter. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now, anyone, who else, anyone else reading that, you might think, crikey, she's a busy lady. <laughs> Seriously, though, what a great picture that paints. We can, we can clearly see the many benefits of working hard. Not only is the lady flourishing herself by making a living, being able to speak with wisdom and instruction, but she is also blessing those around her, her children, her household, and her community. And that is the central message that Proverbs gives around work. Hard work is beneficial, it's admirable, it's wise, and it's a blessing to others. But God doesn't just invite us to work hard just to achieve some outcomes. It's not about our output, or just even because it's beneficial for us, Now, he invites us to work hard because that is what we were created for, and it honors him. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are all hardworking. Think about the Father creating the astonishing scenery of the earth, uh, numbering all the stars in the sky, making sure it all works together. Did he just say, oh, that'll do, that'll do, yeah, those stars, yeah, that's close enough. Of course he didn't. He, he, cre- he gave his whole heart into it and said, I want to do my best job to show myself in the best light. That's the Father. And in fact, Hebrews says that he works every day to sustain his creation. Moreover, Jesus himself worked hard initially as a carpenter and then in healing, teaching people and setting people free. And in John 5 verse 17, he says, my father is always at work and I too am working. Thanks, sir. And even the Holy Spirit, it tells us in Ephesians 3, works in us to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So the Trinity are hardworking. And right from the start, he designed us to be hardworking in his image. We should work hard because we were made to. 
So in verse 16 of our, of our passage, we just read it, it says, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Does that remind you of anything, maybe in Genesis? <laughs> God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis to work the land and take care of it. And so right from Eden, we see that God's intention for us was to be hard workers and taking care of his creation. Now, I've just had a son. Come on. He's now, he's now nearly seven weeks old, which is absolutely mad. And, uh, and people are already saying that he has very similar mannerisms to myself and my wife. Have you ever, done, you ever seen that in someone else? You would look at someone's child and you're like, they look exactly like their dad or their mum. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. No, that's, not, that's really bad to say. <laughs> I was hoping that my, that my son would look more like me. Currently, he looks more like my wife, which is a good thing. <laughs> That's just dug that. I feel like I got myself out of that hole. <laughs> but it's the same with our work ethic, isn't it? When we work hard, it reflects God to others. He, others see God in us. And that's our second point. It reflects God's character. We are demonstrating the same work ethic when we serve others that Jesus had when he, went, when he served us by dying on the cross. When we work hard to create maybe a solution, or if you're a creative, a piece of art, or you've just created a great piece of software, we are doing the same, we've got the same work ethic that the Father had when he created the earth. We're utilizing that same skill. So as people see our motivation and our hard work, they see a glimpse of our God. Having said that, it's important to not look to people for praise. It's, it's great, you know, when people say nice words to us. Doesn't it feel good? Oh, you, you've done a great job. Doesn't that feel good? But working hard for affirmation from people is a dangerously slippery slope that can lead to rapid burnout. What people think of you can really impact you. Instead, work with all your heart for God's affirmation. Use your God-given gifts and talents to bring him and his kingdom into whatever space you find yourself, to praise him for what he's done, and as you do, people around you will see the goodness of God. So let me ask you, what gifts has God given you? Whether you're in a workplace, whether you're not a workplace, full-time parent, retired, what gifts has God given you? Where has he placed you that you could use those gifts? Think about that, reflect on that as you go from today. And lastly, we work hard because it's prepares us. This is an interesting scripture from Proverbs 12, chapter 24. It says this, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. So if we go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, what did he tell mankind to do? We just covered it. He told them to rule over creation, to work the land. <clears throat> and as we work hard on the earth, as we are diligent in our work, we are being prepared for ruling over God's restored creation in eternity. You know, Jesus says that those of us who can be trusted with very little will be given much. And so as you're going about your day, changing nappies, copying numbers into a spreadsheet, serving someone coffee, writing an essay, doing the ironing. Does anyone actually do the ironing anymore? A couple of people, the iron rarely comes out in our house, I'm ashamed to say. In fact, I don't even know where it is. <laughs> we don't iron anything. I must say, though, that they're, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's good to do. But whatever you do, whatever you do in every small day-to-day -day task, you can think to yourself, I'm being prepared for greater things. I'm being prepared to rule. Diligent hands will rule. How are you diligent about your day-to-day -day work? 
So why do we work hard? We work hard because it's beneficial, because we were made to, because it reflects God's character, and because it prepares us for our future role in eternity. So point one done. We've answered that one. That brings us to our next question. Just work hard? Do we just work hard? When you read what Proverbs says about work, it definitely shares the wisdom that working hard is important. But when we talk about work, I think it's essential that we also talk about rest. Remember, we were made in the image of God, a God who worked for six days and then rested. And many of you who know me will know that this is something that I've definitely struggled with in my journey over, over, over a few years. I can do the working hard bit, but the, the resting, I've had to do some learning on. And in our 21st century lives, I'm not sure how helpful it is to, to, to listen to a talk that just says, work harder. Especially after the past two and a half years, I'm sure most of us would say to some level that we are tired and we are burnt out and we are exhausted. Or, or maybe you, whenever someone asks you, how are you? You say, so busy. <laughs> that, that ring a bell in your mind of how, maybe, maybe where you said that. Have you considered that you and I, we all, may actually need to rest in order to work better? Let me tell you a quick story. So we're in 1945. We're not, but in the story we are. We're in the USA. And there was this small Christian boat builder ran by the Meloon family. And this was one of three companies that was asked to build a landing craft, basically, by the American army for the next stage in the war. So just three companies, and they were asked to build hundreds of boats in just 19 days. It was urgent. The Melians company were, were Christians. They would normally build two boats a day. So if you think two times 19, anyone good at maths? 38, 38 boats would be like their, their target, okay? So after, pray, after praying, they felt that they should agree to provide 300 boats, <laughs> 10 times more. That's 16 boats per day. Audacious, hey. <laughs> Sometimes God help, uh, helps us to do some crazy things. They were also committed to the principle of Sabbath. And so they closed production on, on the Sunday and they also shut, shut down for an hour on a Wednesday for an employee's service. Now, the army weren't too happy about that. They were like, what are you doing? <laughs> Keep it open 24-7. Boat, 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 boat. But they ignored the advice. They kept the Sabbath. And despite the pressure, in the end, they managed miraculously to make all 300 boats and ahead of schedule. In addition, the other two boat builders that were contacted fell behind schedule and despite their, their companies running 24-7, they couldn't keep up. And so the Meloons company built an extra 100 boats to meet the demand. Isn't that mad? They did the impossible. It was a miracle. And they did it through the rhythm of rest. Proverbs shows how this is possible in chapter 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The outcome of our work is not just down to us. If our plans are his plans, he will work them to completion. Isn't that comforting? When we work hard, he works hard with us. And when we rest, he graciously continues to work so that we can rest content. He will establish our plans, and it's not down to us. 
But it's a balance. Proverbs doesn't just say, do nothing, and God will establish your plans. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says, commit your work to him, and then he will establish your plans. We must balance hard work and rest. So if we see that our rest is important to help us work well, how do we do it? Okay, how do we rest? Turn to your neighbor and just tell them your most effective resting strategies for yourself. Go on, 30 seconds, just chat to your neighbor. Okay, any, any, any good ones? How do, you, how do people rest? Anyone want to shout out, be brave? Sitting in the garden, that's a good one. Others? Reading, yeah, absolutely. Netflix, anyone? Netflix? Yeah, oh, a few, few Netflixers. Okay, wonderful. That's one where you can continue those conversations afterwards. And I've been dwelling a lot on rest, um, trying to work out what I actually find restful. I know it sounds weird. You know, earlier I said I can do the hard work bit. I've actually had to, had to learn how I rest, which is kind of mad. I know it sounds strange. Um, on my days off, I used to just like slob around, you know, Netflix, pajamas, not really doing much, lots of napping. And I realized that that really helped me physically. I, 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 you know, after that day, I, physically, I could do a lot. But mentally and emotionally and spiritually, it just like drained me. And I realized that I needed a different type of rest. You know, we've got these different tanks, physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, uh, mental, and we, and we need to fill all of these tanks if we're to rest well. So for me now, rest looks like a day of just slowing down and trying to be aware of God. I get, and that doesn't mean just like sitting in prayer for the whole day, but it means in everything that I'm doing, trying to be aware of what God's saying, just, be, just even remind myself that he is with me. So I try and get away from my phone, I try and spend some more time reading the Bible. I spend some more time with family and friends. I try to achieve something unrelated to my employment, i.e. like a to-do list, like a bit of DIY or something. Come on, any DIY arresters in the, in the room? Come on, preach it. And, uh, and in all of it, I try and slow down, forget about my other worries and concerns, and be present to God. You know, this changed for me when in a spiritual direction session, God, God spoke to me and said, Look, I've given you your job and what a gift that is. I know you love your job, but how are you enjoying the other things I've given you? Your house, your family, your time off. How are you loving those things? How are you enjoying those? You know, rest is God's gift to me and it's his gift to you. It's not like, oh, I've got to find time for rest. It's like, here's a massive present. I just want to rip that open and enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy the gift that he's given, and he wants us to enjoy the gift of rest. So are there any serial procrastinators in the room? Anyone? Serial procrastinators? People, you know, when you just really need to do something, and you just really don't want to do it, and so you end up on Facebook, or like, like sweeping the floor, or just anything that isn't the thing that you want to do, yeah? I, see, I think there's a lot of liars in this room, too. I think there's quite a few more procrastinators than just two. <laughs> Often we see ourselves procrastinating and we think, I must work harder to stop myself procrastinating. I just had this thought as I was preparing. What if our procrastination is actually just because we've got so used to being busy all the time, at least to some level, and so when we come to do a task that we need to do, we just don't have the energy. We're just exhausted, just like under the surface. What if taking some actual constructive time off would actually solve the procrastinating more than working hard? So I hear what you're saying. Firstly, John, you're telling me to work more and work harder. And now secondly, you're telling me to rest. Are you having a laugh? Well, before you start throwing things at me, I want to just bring you some comfort today, okay? And that's our third point. Jesus worked hard. 
Sometimes we feel that we need to work hard to earn God's love. We find the need to, to, to try and work hard if we're going to be saved. But this is just a lie from the enemy, and it's completely fruitless because nothing that we could ever do, we could, we could work as hard as we could, but we would never be able to give up, sorry, to live up to God's standard for our lives. We can never work hard enough to undo the mistakes that we've made and be accepted by God. We will never be able to attain our salvation. But fortunately, we don't need to because Jesus came and did the work of, of, uh, of, of living perfectly, dying the death we deserved, fighting against the powers of hell and rising to life again. He did the work that we couldn't. And now all that we need to do is accept his invitation. Here's what he says to us. This is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. In the message version, it'll be familiar to many of you. But maybe you want to just close your eyes and, and listen to these words as I read them. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So let me ask you today, are you tired? Maybe you've been doing things your way, trying and trying, but getting nowhere. Maybe it's time for you to just lay down your ways to come to Jesus and do life his way, maybe even for the first time. Or maybe you've been going Jesus' way, but you haven't left that space for rest. And his invitation is to come to him, get away with him. He'll show you a real rest. You know, by accepting his invitation, we can know that there is nothing left for us to do to try and gain God's approval or his love or his eternal life because we accept the one who has done it all for us. Because of what Jesus has done, we no longer have to work to please God. We no longer have to work for our salvation and we no longer have to go about our work by ourselves. He is with us and he's for us. So if you want to accept his invitation, Whatever he's been saying to you today, I'm just going to invite us all to stand in a second and just pray a prayer. And I'd love to invite you to pray that prayer with me. And it's just a prayer of surrender to Jesus again, whether for the first time or just once again, you say, okay, God, I've had, I know that I've strayed in my own way and I need to come back to your way. So let's stand. And if you want to pray this prayer, you can just repeat each line after me. Let's just stand up and we'll just have a moment of quiet and then you can just pray this prayer. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.